So Coach K was on the Dan Patrick radio show. Yes. And and he was it was it was already pre-scheduled. It was after the Grayson. Yeah, the Grayson thing obviously happened after he was scheduled to do it. So it was the very next day, and he's like, "Oh my God, what the fuck? I mean, how can I get out of this? I can't because I'm a man of my word. I honor my commitments. I'm gonna go on." Okay, so Coach this, K still you, goes on. I thought you saw this. Dan Patrick was. It was the most uncomfortable you can look while you're asking these questions because he knows he has to ask him, but he's gonna get. He knows he's gonna get denied by Coach K, and he's probably severing any future relationship he can have with Coach K. No, I think they had a good relationship over many years. Did you didn't watch it? I didn't right? watch it. What happened? He's just squirming. Dan Patrick is squirming. And Coach K is giving all these bullshit like platitude answers and the two interns that are like with the headphones or whatever, like they're laughing. They're muffling their they're like <laughs> like because he won't he won't ever answer, you know? And then like, like give me an example. Um he just says like He's he called out Dan Patrick. He said like you're you're out of line for like asking. He like he he's like you. He's saying like it's not that big a deal. But he can't say that. He's not in a position to say that. Right. He's like you know like, um. And Dan Patrick fired back. He said, "Look, Coach K, you know I've got tons of respect for you, but I've got like two sons, Grayson's age, and if they ever did something like that three times, like we would have a serious conversation about this, like." Like, Coach K called him naive. Like, so they got into a little war of words. Naive about what? Naive about how, like, he's like, you know, what was Grayson thinking when that happened, you know? And Coach K was like, you know, I think you're a little bit naive about how stuff works. Like, like, what went through your mind the last time you screwed up? You know, like, like he got very offensive. He took the offensive when he wasn't. But I think that's a great point. Like yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't a good point. It was not a good point. But it is a good point. Okay. Like okay. oh, what was he thinking? He wasn't thinking. That's the point. Okay, there was there was another thing where like, uh, it's just been it's been like two weeks and I can't remember. But I just remember any question Dan Patrick asked, he's like, yes, fucking great question. If you're a reporter, you're afraid to ask like a Bobby Knight or a Coach K or a Bill Belichick these types of questions because. They're going to be fucking pissed at you. They're not going to call on you anymore to ask questions. You know what I'm saying? Right. But you have him in a one-on-one interview. Yeah. But he's, are... he's sacked up. He asked them all. And he then he's just squirming in the chair like he's... You could see it. You could just... It's the whole fucking thing was awkward. And Coach K basically doesn't give him anything that's like like legitimate. Like it wouldn't, like it wouldn't satisfy us. Like we're curious about these particular questions. He didn't answer in any way that would satisfy us. But he just went on and on about platitudes, and these interns kept laughing in his face. They're supposed to be in the background, but they're like more in the forefront than in most like uh, these talk show radios. So you're saying you can see them on the television? Yes. Not now that you can hear them in the audio. Like Coach K would never, because Coach K is on the phone, and okay. he, and it's probably recorded or whatever. But like he he was just so defensive about things, and he was just so like, look, we're gonna do it our way. You don't know what's going on. I, I've been doing this for decades. I'm a teacher. I'm a leader. Like, it's just everything. Well, essentially, he just wants to say, trust me, I got this. Essentially, what he's saying is, fuck you, get off my back. That's what he wants to say. Like, I know this kid better than you do. Yeah. He's a kid, so fuck you. Like. And so what do you think that, What? what so what's your reaction? 
I thought I thought he came off looking bad. Yeah. I thought it was like a Dylan Brooks uh, sort of like, you know, he's just in a difficult spot because like he's sort of the elder statesman, but like he can't use that as a calling card. He can't. But how much capital does Coach K have to burn? Like, oh my like, god! So right? you're, you're okay. Coach K can take the hit, right? Of course he can. Yeah. And so what he's doing is he's taking that hit for at a least reason. at least some some of the yeah. some of the sharp edge of it. Yeah. Not all of it, obviously, and, but and just I, a little. I listened to the post game interview, and all at, anyone's going to think is Coach K's Coach K's not going to shit all over his guy. And you know what? Coach K likes to keep things in house. And if you were sending your kid to Duke and something happened, you'd want Coach K to respect the privacy of the situation, right? I mean, there are other people saying, like, what if the kid, kid were a black kid, went to Kentucky? You know, one, people would be all over Calipari, and two, I don't think they would, you know. I didn't murder anyone, <laughs> right? Right? Yes. He, he just got tangled up on a play and flailed his leg and made some contact with one of the guy's legs. What happened here that we're all like, oh, man, this he would be behind bars if he was a black guy. He'd be kicked out of the SEC. Nobody would get kicked out of the SEC for this. It's not that bad. Yeah. He's not He's not kicking anyone that, in the nuts. That's, certainly not, one pers- that's one perspective. Yeah. At the same time, it's an issue. It's clearly an issue. And Coach K says he's got it. And I wonder what Grayson did during his. Uh, I mean, I think these guys all got three or four days for Christmas vacation. Like what he did. You think he never left his bedroom? I'm sure he went home for Christmas. You think he tried not to look up articles about him, but he couldn't help himself. I hope he didn't look up anything. <laughs> I hope he didn't look up. Any- I hope he didn't listen to to any of it. I hope you listen to me defending him a little, because part of it is you don't want to you don't want to cut off Grayson's edge. We can't turn him into Mister Nice Guy. That's not what any that's not what we want, right? You don't want that. You like the way he plays, don't you? I think he could. Re- I mean, people were talking about him before this tripping thing ever happened. Like, yeah, like, sure. Like uh, the whole phantom foul in the previous game, where it's obviously not his fault. His, right, the his flopping. Defender, his defender never touched him, but because of the vantage point, they, they called a foul on him. Yeah. Like, people are saying this guy should be teed up for all the flopping and flailing that he I would, does. I would love it if all flops, all proven flops were, were tees and suspensions. I'd love it if we could get rid of flopping, but it's part of the game. It's part of the game. Did you ever see Shane Battier take a charge where he barely got hit and he's falling backwards? You know? All the time. All the time. Shane Betty would grab grab guys' jerseys. I bet you. I bet you. Guys' jersey is not comparable to tripping somebody. Yeah. It's not. All right. Fine. Shane Betty is probably a nicer nicer guy. Flopping is not comparable to tripping somebody. Uh, Yeah, I'm not saying it is, but these are the. You don't want to take a guy's edge off. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, Grayson didn't address this on the Shire podcast, right? Didn't talk about it at all when he was on? He, uh, no. I mean, off the court, he's fine. He's just a normal, humble, sort semi-shy human being. And they, and 
they all, they all like him a lot. Like, what are we gonna do? Lobotomize the guy? Like, like no, what? What's I'm to be done? That. I'm not saying. I mean, that. I'm sure he's. I'm he's, just curious to know why he did it. I'm sure he's like uh, asking himself the same questions. I'm sure he's talking to a sports psychologist. I'm sure he's talking to a lot of people that he should talk to, like his parents. You know, like. Lucanard definitely is OCD. They said, they they asked like three of the guys like who's the cleanest guy on the on the team? Oh, definitely Luke. He's always folding shit in, in his room and in the locker room. He's just constantly folding stuff. Ever since you said that, I do like notice that, that he touches his hair literally immediately after every any play, every play. Any dead ball situation. He's like this. Yeah, but he's not. He's not like making it look perfect. He just goes and touches it. Yeah. a little. Right. Just to make sure it's still there. Yeah. I guess. They all say Javin is the hardest worker. They say Giles is the funniest, like the life of the party type of funny. And Grayson Allen's the guy most likely to cut your throat for real on the court, right? No. Stick it in. Right in your eye. And that's the guy you want. That's the guy you want taking the shot. Emil was... Hands down, the toughest guy to referee in like a scrimmage because he's always complaining. Where did you hear this? Um, some they like reverse roles or something. Like I want to say Jay Billis was on or maybe uh, Jeff Capel was on. And he's they, still talking about the Shire podcast. Yeah, they asked Shire like, okay, who's the toughest? Who's the toughest guy to referee in a scrimmage? It's like easily Emil Jefferson. He thinks he gets fouled every play, <laughs> which like makes total sense. All he ever does is complain to the refs, you know. Yeah, actually, I thought in the game this weekend... Uh, he costs us a few times because he's busy arguing... He's, he's turning to when, the refs. When, when it'll never change a call, ever. But I wonder ever. I wonder if, like, having played very well early in the season and, like, now thinking of himself as quite a big deal, perhaps, if whether he's become worse, right? And whether, well, like, he's, he's letting that no, get to him. He still does what... It, so, like... Also, in, in his podcast, Emil Jefferson's podcast, he said he found... Emil Jefferson has a podcast? On Shire's podcast when he yeah. was the guest. You he went s- back and listened to all these podcasts all, over winter break. Not all of them, the relevant ones, like five or six of them. Okay, so oh, I listened to Tony Romo one, too. Tony Romo. Oh, I skipped the Tony Romo one. What? Why is Tony Romo on that podcast? Why is Tony Romo associated with the program? Can we, can we have a referendum on this? Tony Romo's a great guy. Average 24 points a game his senior year basketball player at Northern Illinois no uh, in high school oh okay so anyway go, going back to Emil like he had this sick game against like Virginia his sophomore year where he scored 17 points and his phone just blew up afterwards they lost the game so he's like down because they lost the game but he was happy because it was his first really good game where he put up buckets everyone's texting him family and friends whatnot so the next day in film session like he's He's like ready. He's sort of ready. He's like, everyone's going to get lit, but not me because I had a great game, right? Coach A goes up, puts up the box score. It's like two rebounds, two fucking rebounds. Emil, what is your fucking job? <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? I had a great game. He's like, what is your fucking job? You have one job. Do your fucking job. And since then, like he rebounds like a fucking animal out there. It's because of that game. Like, he, he'll rebound the ball out of Giles' hands, right? Like, he'll just rip it out of Giles' <laughs> yeah, hands. Yeah, he wants the number. Yeah. Like, he just, he's like, so after that, he's like, okay, I get it. That's my job. Like, like we all have different roles, different responsibilities. My number one thing to be 
responsible for rebounding, defense, talking. That's it. And then somehow he got into scoring too. Yeah, he's uh, he's been a very effective scorer until uh, this last game. <laughs> Four for nine. Like, it's not that big of a departure. Right. I, I mean, I wonder. I just wonder in the ACC season whether he's going to be less effective against opponents who are more familiar with him. You know, uh, man, it's going to get even worse after this baby comes in a few weeks. Is it really a few weeks? Uh, I believe we're going to deliver in ni- 19 days or sooner. So, How are you going to be able to do a trivial podcast after the baby? Oh, I'm sure I'll welcome the break. Question: I might not be able to watch the game live if the birth <laughs> is going on at the same time, but you know I have to time shift a lot of these games anyway, so it's all good. Um, you know, we're, uh, our audience is slowly growing. We appreciate everyone that's hanging in there with us, especially considering uh, we, I guess we've had some, some mic issues. I don't know whose fault it was. Um, do you, I guess it's my fault. It has I, to be your fault. You're, I set, you're my, in charge of technical. Yeah, I set up the mic and uh, I, I put it on unidirectional, which means only I sounded like I was talking to the microphone. And I sounded like a chump. But I think the microphone was supposed to be close to my mouth. And it was like still far away from, you know, my big mouth. Anyhow. But that'll uh, be, we've, we've fixed it. We have hopefully fixed it. And our blue snowball mic is now set on omnidirectional, which is a great word. You know, I'm, not, I'm all about omnidirection. Um, so hopefully it sounds a little better. And we apologize for, I apologize for for the bad quality, we appreciate you hanging in there with us. Apology accepted. Mike. Especially those of you who aren't actually like friends or family. Um, wanted to give out the email address from the top. Uh, it's dukebasketballjunkies at gmail dot com. Uh, I know last week we we asked people to email us and then I didn't give out the email address. So you know we're really on top of our game here. Um, just like the Duke squad against Virginia Tech. Um, I guess the last thing, the last sort of show notes I'll, I'll make is that uh, you can find us on Stitcher, you can find us on iTunes, uh, or you can follow the direct link that we have been posting on social media. I'm not so sure if we're going to keep doing Twitter since we're not really doing Twitter. Um, you know, what do you think, Pete? We have like 10 followers. <laughs> I mean, if we could get together for a game, watch together, maybe tweet. Yeah. In the middle of the game, and you taught me how to do it, then I'm sure I could take over that particular aspect of it. There's a billion people that know how to use Twitter, <laughs> and pre med, former pre med at Duke, Peter Rowe can't figure it out. Like world class poker player. You just, it, just two things to learn your username and your password, and then it's all user friendly. So, so I guess that's my fault. We'll work on that, or we'll delete the Twitter, and we'll just do this podcast. No, we can't delete it. I think we should delete it. All right, uh, on to the game. Duke, Virginia Tech. Um, we both have some independent analysis. of. Uh, obviously, it was a bit of a disaster. Got our butts kicked pretty pretty well. We never had a shot. We never had the lead. From the jump, yeah. From the jump, it didn't go well. Um what do you think went wrong, Peter? Do you want to? I have uh, basically four or five points. I, I think are some of them are obvious, some are less obvious. But did you do you want to get the ball rolling? Uh, yeah. I mean, road, road games are tough. 
Virginia Tech's a pretty good team. You know, top 40 Ken Palm. Uh, they've only lost one game, and really they shouldn't have lost that game, so they could have been undefeated. Um, but uh, they shot really well. You know, it's tough to beat a team when they shoot as well as they did. I think they shot 55% from the field. and 8 of 13 from 3. Sixty Low 60% from 3. That's gonna, One, it's going to be really tough. But I thought most importantly was our defense was terrible. Both transition defense, I thought we gave up a lot of buckets in transition. And then also, you know, they had really good ball movement, so they found, like, open three-point shooters. They also attacked the basket. Um, our defense just wasn't there. They play. I think they probably played their best game, you know, their best version of their game. They may play well most right. of the time. We didn't take them off their game in any respect, pretty much, uh, despite having experienced players and really good athletes. Um, you know, so I, th- I think there was a bit of a failure in terms of executing. I, executing, I don't know if there was a game plan that – that we just didn't 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 materialize, or if uh, the game plan was just bad, um, you know I can find fault in execution and in strategy. Uh, let's take the transition defense and the the regular defense. We talk about how well they shot. Part of it was because these three point sh- shooters were wide open. Yeah. I mean, if you look at their thirteen shots, how many were even? contested um the closeouts were usually coming from really far away and uh what i noticed is we were doubling the post we were doubling every interior catch matt jones jason tatum in particular who are you know in my mind are sort of best on the ball defenders uh, or you know our best defenders on that half of the court basically i just i kept rewinding and just see how, how that guy could get that open it was usually as a result of one of these guys jumping off their man to try to make some sort of hero play or double, you know, a guy that was already guarded in the interior um, or help on a, on a penetrator. So I think there was a lot of guys leaving, sort of leaving their post in order to, you know, make a heroic defensive play ending up out of position. And Virginia Tech just passed really well and found open guys. Um, you know, over aggressiveness is something I think Duke defensive teams have, have been guilty of in the past, like guarding, hawking the ball too hard against good ball handlers, and um, you know, going for blocks, uh, you know, leaving men, you know, in the interior, and uh, sort of opening up spots. Like it's it's one thing to get beat off a dribble or a guy catches the ball in the post. And he might, it might be a good matchup, but it's another thing to send guys from the opposite side of the court and leaving, leaving three-point shooters open. In this day and age, that's the worst sin. Wide open corner threes. Yeah. And, uh, and then in transition, and then in transition. They, they got beat all the time. I mean, there would be some guy who would beat our guys down. I mean, I think that the, yeah, but the, why? the overly easy answer would be they're tired. You know, like they're playing too many minutes. Yeah, the the, oh. ben, the bench didn't get in much, but also I thought, you know, everybody was trying to crash the glass a little too much. Um, the offensive glass. I mean, we had eighteen offensive rebounds. It was one of the best things about the game is we did effectively offensive rebound. We didn't finish off the rebounds. Often. Um, 
I mean, very infrequently were we finishing in the interior. Marquise, Marquise Bolton had three offensive rebounds and zero points. I mean, yeah, Giles, Bolden, Emil Jefferson for the first time this year didn't finish near the basket. Uh, Tatum didn't finish on, on, on his penetrations. He had some beautiful, like, dives to the basket. Like, yeah. Gets there in all sorts of interesting ways and just wasn't finishing. And what was strange to me is that Virginia Tech didn't really have a guy that... Big bigs. They didn't have bigs blocking shots. Imposing bigs. We were just missing, missing two to five footers with, you know, consistently. Um, so, and that led to a lot of transition opportunities. Right. But, uh, you know, even off of made shots, we were, we were getting beat occasionally. Yeah. That may have to do with fatigue. Um, it may have to do with sort of a general, uh, just kind of negative attitude, like just feeling defeated a little bit. But I just thought there was kind of a well, – they weren't stopping the ball in transition. I mean, the lack of responsibility by some of the guys who were kind of getting back. Yeah, I mean, you could tell that they got frustrated. You know, they would make these little mini runs, cut the the big Virginia Tech lead down to like maybe 11, 12 points, and it seemed like they were maybe on the cusp of getting over the hump. And then they'd just give up like a big either transition layup or transition dunk or an open three. And then you could tell by their body language that they were – you know, frustrated. They're like, oh my gosh, we got no shot in this game. Yeah, yeah. They kept kind of like rolling rolling the boulder up the hill. And it, I like, mean, I felt like there were like down. three, like maybe three tangible points in the game where I felt like, okay, we, we've got a shot. You know, like I think we're going to make a run. And and there's like game pressure, like each way, like the, the, the game feels different for Virginia Tech when the lead's at 18 than when, than when it's like 12. And yeah. it'll feel di- different when it's from 12 to like 6 or 7. And then obviously the 2 or 3. And there's going to be more game pressure the closer it gets and the bigger the lead that they've blown. But we could never even get it into single digits. You know, like... Well, my point about Matt Jones and, and Jason Tatum like trying to do too much or some of the guys like Jeter when he was in there for a few minutes coming off his man... What, like, what, what was block. he doing in the game? Well... Like, I, I Coach just, K's not, like, he's not even committed to him. Like, it was weird. Jeter was the first guy off the bench in the first half, right? He, he played, played, like, two minutes. Played, like, six total minutes. Then he wasn't the first guy off the bench in the second half, but both times they he played him, like, two or three minutes. Like, I mean, why are you even going to play him at all if you're if you're not committed to the guy? Like, he plays him two or three minutes both ends. Bolden went in for two or three minutes in the first half. Doesn't see the court at all, I think, in the second half. He had three offensive rebounds, and he played, that was one, like, a couple of minutes. But that was, that was just one. But... That think, was one possession. I think you're seeing Coach K get frustrated with young guys making defensive mistakes. And in the case of Bolden, I mean, he misses a couple of putbacks and gets fouled and bricks both free throws. Yeah. Right? And, like, that has to be pretty frustrating. It's got to be frustrating. When you're getting beat and your guys Is he are, getting beat? No, no. When the team's getting beat. When Coach K feels like... Does, is he not getting frustrated with Matt Jones clanging three-pointer after three-pointer after three-pointer? It's been a pretty long time Those now where he's been really struggling. I don't think he thinks of that as a as a, Negative? As a mental mistake. That's a physical mistake. Okay. I mean, missing shots, that's not something that can really be helped. You know, they're yeah. gonna they're gonna go in sometimes. Maybe they're not gonna pass, go pass to a wide open Jack. Like I agree with you. I don't mind Matt Jones taking a wide open three, but there was. A time where you know when Jack, Matt Jones is a pretty good three point shooter, wide open. 
I want him shooting wide open threes. Okay, I agree with you. You know, there was you do do you remember when Jack White got in the game at the end of the first half? Yeah, and he got burned on defense two or three straight times down court, out of position, doing the wrong thing. I don't know if he slowed it down the two times he watched the game. Okay, that shouldn't be that surprising given his lack of playing time or that he's a freshman. However, my point was... Right, I was happy to see Jack White. I wasn't surprised to see him not go back in after right. a couple uh, of those yeah, plays. Yeah, me too. I agree with you. But Matt Jones, there was, there was, a, there was a, uh, a possession where Duke got an offensive rebound. I think Jack White got the ball. And then the ball got worked back to Matt Jones. He dribbled, tried to get away from a defender, and then... Attempted a contested three instead of passing to a wide-open Jack White. Now, I have no idea how good of a shooter Jack White is, but he's still a scholarship athlete to Duke. He's supposed to be a pretty decent shooter. Right. So, like, I mean, you're not that good of a shooter, Matt Jones. Like, you can't be chucking up contested threes when there's a wide-open guy, even if he is, you know, a freshman who is a pretty big unknown, who's wide-open. There's nobody within 10 feet of him. Even if Jack White doesn't shoot the three, he could maybe. Do you think? Do you think Matt Jones came into the game thinking, "Well, oh, Grayson's not there. I got to step up." Do you, did you just notice anything different about Matt Jones in this game than than other games? I mean, he's had some other games where he didn't shoot well. He's had some games where he has shot well. Uh, he usually makes the right pass. He's not. I would never call him a ball. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I'm not sure if I could would agree with you if he took on a much more aggressive offensive mindset like even I thought on defense he was a little too aggressive and I thought once they were down well, he, he once they were down 10 of, to 15 points yeah I just noticed guys trying to do too much trying to press a little bit whether it was play one on one on offense or sort of come up with a bigger play on defense and yeah he got some steals but he also left his men a lot like he got a couple steals helping off his men but he also left his guy open. I mean, it was guys he was guarding that hit a lot of those threes, and it wasn't when he was right in their face, you know. Yeah. Um, and Tatum too. Tatum floats. He makes plays. Makes these awesome plays that get me excited. But you got to have discipline. You know, it's like um, it's more important than ever that you know in today's game that you you stay on the good three point shooters. You can't you can't just bell on them. Um, in football, it's called gap discipline. You can't just go out and make the play on your own. You're part of a team. Uh, and I didn't think they really played good team basketball. On offense, I didn't think they passed as well as they had been passing. I know Grayson Allen's a pretty good passer, but I didn't think Luke Kennard moved the ball as well as he had been doing. People weren't really looking. Man, Jason Tatum was looking to pass, but he just <laughs> turned the ball over a few times, making like try to, you know. See, I don't know if I agree with that. Like, <clears throat> the ball was swinging around just, like it just, had been a we, few games ago. We kept getting into the hole deeper and deeper. We weren't making any shots, and I mean, like, we actually you, shot you, all right. It wasn't that bad. I mean, um, Luke Kennard had a good shooting game. He was the only guy, <clears throat> and Tatum was six for fourteen from the field. It wasn't. He started that off bad. one for seven. Right, but in the second half he had shots. Yeah, <clears throat> a lot of like finishing, a lot of finishing like uh, transition type of possessions where he was finishing with a dunk or a layup, you know. Um, he hit one or two threes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, Matt Jones obviously didn't didn't make a lot of shots, and Matt Jones in the interior we weren't finishing, and it led to a lot of missed field goals. Yeah, I thought Emil Jefferson was was a pretty. Um, he seems to fall down every time and then look at the ref instead of, you know, hustling and getting back up. Like he Yeah, do you think Emil I, I actually I, I did want to say I felt like this 
the officiating, college officiating is typically pretty bad. I thought we got the worst of it pretty clearly in this game. I thought there were at least three or four spots where we should have gotten a clear call. But I thought they were letting the guys play, and I thought they did an okay job. I mean, we didn't lose this game at all because of officiating. Yeah, we just got I agree with you. our butts kicked. Yeah. Uh, and Emil, it was Emil's worst game of the season. And it was surprising because, like I said, there was no big on the other team that kind of shut him down. He, His footwork didn't seem as good in this game. Well, he's usually good for a travel and a half a game. Yeah, I, did he get called for traveling more than yes. once? Uh, definitely once. Yeah, I mean, he had traveled a few times in other games. In this game, he just... He didn't. He didn't look locked in in the post like yeah, he I had. I don't know about that. Were they not looking for him as much? Was he just sort I, of? I, why do you think he wasn't finishing? Uh, I mean, I think he was. He went like four for eight in the game. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, they they got the ball in, and even though the Virginia Tech guys weren't big, I mean, I think they were defending him okay. Yeah, he went four for nine. He only got fouled once. So he only went to the line once. Maybe it was just early. Early, a couple of his balls kind of that were banking in were rolling out a little, which yeah. is coming up short. I mean, I mean he's been shooting like 70%. Yeah, six, 65% lead, leading the ACC. We just, we haven't shot well, out like outside shooting Yeah. in the last, since the UNLV game. It's been a long time. I mean, the only person who's shooting well is, is Luke Kennard. Um, and it was clear, like when we got down 8 nothing, Luke said, okay, like he said, I'm going to take over offensively. And he was, I thought he was, he was great. I thought he played great. I well, mean, I thought he, he played, made so many high percentage shots by dribble penetrating. I mean, he he's turned into this incredible offensive player. He made it look easy a lot of the time. Like, yeah, yeah. It was great on defense. I thought it looked like he mailed it in on a couple of plays. He kind of let his man go a few times. There was an inbounds play where his man mm-hmm. hit a hit a three pointer that he kind of, it, you know, I slowed it down. I watched it again. He didn't. He didn't really show a lot of heart on the play. He kind of got semi-screened and then was like, yeah, whatever. Um, but, hey, the guy's playing 38 minutes, taking 19 shots. You know, there was only one assist from him. Maybe that was probably because other guys weren't finishing. Um, it just, yeah, it the rest seem, of the it, team It didn't s- seem like the other t- his teammates were, A, either looking to score or could finish. Like, especially in the first half, nobody else was scoring. You know, yeah, like Tatum. T- no, Tatum went oh, one for half, seven yeah. in the first half. Yeah. Frank Jackson was zero for four in the first half. Like yeah, no, had, like no, like I think Jackson might still have that that foot issue because let's talk about Jackson. There were a couple of uh, was like a, uh, times he could have finished out or closed out where I thought like a dunk would be great, but he looked like he, a weak athlete. All yeah, of he a went up for like a weak layup and had it and either was, either blocked or he just missed it. And he's your boy. He he got routinely beat off the dribble. Yeah, guys, guys were got into foul trouble. Yeah, he looked a little bit like confused out there, like after the play. It's surprising. There's a guy after a game or two are thinking, "Whoa, this Russell guy. Westbrook." Yeah, you, you famously <laughs> compared him to Russell Westbrook somehow. Uh, I, I hope it's injury. I hope he's not just shying from yeah. the challenge. Yeah, and again, if it's injury, like why is he playing? Well, I guess they need him. Although, I don't know why. You know, I don't really know why Bolden they, can't they, play. they can't go with bigger lineups. Yeah. Um, now, against Virginia Tech, they had a bunch of perimeter scorers and penetrators, a bunch of guards, you know, a bunch of guards and small wings. Um, and those, I mean, also Virginia Tech, they threw up a lot of 
buckets that were lucky shots. I mean, they went in, but yeah, they ran. They good. threw up a bunch of stuff that I was sort of surprised that they went in, and then it just sort of snowballs from there. You know, like it. They the, ran those good. Shots but they, ma- they made the right plays consistently. Yeah, and they played beautifully. As yeah, a team. I mean, I'm not knocking them. I mean, I mean, they deserve to win. They played great. Yeah, they, like sure this did. would be a game where. If Coach K said after the game, Virginia Tech is a good team, they played a great game, it wouldn't ring hollow like it would be true. You know, like you can't say that after Maine. At the same, oh, Maine's a great team. At the same time, I, I don't understand what the game plan was. Yeah. I mean, we didn't look like – the players didn't look like they knew what they were supposed to be doing on offense. Uh, my turn, your turn kind of a thing with Kennard and Tatum. Like the offense was kind of running through. I don't know what Frank Jackson's doing out there. He's not, he's not really creating, initiating. He's not really looking for his own shot that much. But like Frank Jackson had zero assists. He's kind of your point guard. You know, as a team we only had eight assists, and we were moving the ball so well a couple games ago. It's not all Grayson Allen. Something was off. I don't know why against a team with no bigs and starting four guards, we're not starting two of our yeah. bigs and just. Punishing them. Like having them adjust to you. You know, like... And why does Emil only have nine shots? um, You know? Why do we have guards? You know? I'm just not sure what they were trying to do. And then Harry Giles actually looked pretty pretty good. Yeah. I mean, he easily could have three three buckets. um, And they all all looked pretty good. Like he would catch it at the free throw line. Just make one dribble move. And put up a, sh- a quick shot, and it it looked good. He was a he's settling a little for that sort of like post move 12, 10, 10 footer. Yeah, but you could and tell he, like when he's running in transition, like he's still hampered, you know. And Coach K said after the game that he's still getting back into shape, you know. Like he's he's obviously not in you know peak physical form. He obviously isn't. I mean, yeah, but he's still re- he got eight rebounds in thirteen minutes. That's yeah. He it's did. Flashes. I, I I happen I have to think he's on a minutes restriction, maybe not a formal minutes restriction, but it, Coach K took him out every. He never plays more than three or four minutes in a row. Yeah. So I think that's that's. I, I that's think yeah. Thing. I, mean, I mean I don't know if it's a minutes restriction. He could just tell, like I could tell watching TV that he's not moving well and that he's tired. I mean, if I were his agent right now. I know he's not technically allowed to have an agent, <laughs> but if I were his agent, I would I would impose those restrictions. And maybe it's his dad, you know. Maybe it's maybe it's Harry himself. Yeah. Maybe he's his own agent right now. But I mean, I'm sure Coach K wouldn't jeopardize. I don't think he's allowed to. His future. What do you mean? I mean, I just don't think he's allowed to right now. I think Coach K wanted to play Harry Giles more. I think he would have loved 20, to play. 25 minutes. I think he would have loved to have game plan start Harry Giles and Jefferson and just. Go twin towers and punish them inside of the small team, but yeah, I mean they couldn't do it. And there's a ripple effect to that. Like if 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 you start Giles and Jefferson, Virginia Tech has to put their two biggest guys on those two guys. Jason Tatum six eight. Like who's Virginia Tech's next biggest guy? It's probably going to be like six six. Well, and Clark's going to Clark's going to get in foul trouble. You know. Yeah, I think Clark yeah. did get in early foul trouble, but he did. He just couldn't quite attack him enough afterwards. Yeah, uh, and then you know. It, Open question as to whether going real big in today's game is the way to go. What was the other thing about Virginia Tech's game plan and the way they play? They're shooting open threes and layups. They're getting to the rim and shooting threes. They're not shooting a lot of mid-range jumpers. 
and we were shooting a decent amount of them, you know, between Kennard and I don't mind Kennard shooting them, but Jason Tatum, yeah, taking those sort of long twos and uh, you know, and contested post ups. These are not the most efficient shots in basketball anymore, and so uh, I just, you know, I wonder. I wonder what exactly the game plan was. I'm just not sure. You would pay good money to see the uh, game notes. Yeah, I, I, you know, Coach Case had his hands full. I guess I'm sure he had a busy holidays. Right? Uh, his his hands were definitely full. I mean, it was mostly PR stuff. Yeah, and I wonder if he wanted the team to take a licking. You know, on some level. Did you notice when they flashed on him? You know, I don't care. I don't care. Did you notice when they flashed on him with under 10 minutes to go? He wasn't exactly all fired up, right? Coach K? Yeah, it didn't seem like he was holding court. He just seemed, kind of seemed resigned to the loss. Yeah, and we were down by 20 points. Well, we, we, his, had, his, we had some runs. His we jacket was runs. off. I'm sure he flung it down at some point. It could have been they just flashed the camera at him in the wrong moments. but uh, Maybe he was sad because the fans were on Grayson. Chanting, please don't trip us. <laughs> like, I, I can't please believe. Please don't trip us. <laughs> if I were Grayson, I mean, don't you have to laugh at some point? Isn't that funny? I, I think that's funny. I don't think Grayson was allowed to be laughing on the sideline of that game. <laughs> I mean, I was glad that they took him on the trip because that means he's a part of the team. It means yeah. this is all, I think a lot of this is to set up the, the, the hero arc of Grayson, the, the redemption. They stripped him of his captaincy. Pretty big news. Pretty big news. I wonder if I wonder if there's a chance they're going to restore it in two months. I do not think so. No chance. I wouldn't say no chance, but I mean, they're setting up this very public ma- narrative. You like a, a cap. You're either captain or you're not. Like you're captain material or you're not. Right. And he's he's. I mean, he has to be the leader of the team, though. No, I, I disagree. He, I think Emil and Matt and Luke, are just, vocal. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. How, how awkward do you think? So I was listening to I was I went back and I listened to some of John Shire's um, off season stuff, and in one of the podcasts, there's like a a captain's house or like a veteran's house where Emil and Matt and Grayson live. Like, what what do you think that that household has been like the last couple of weeks? Do you think? Matt and Emil are just saying, you know, keep your chin up. Everything's going to be okay. I mean, what do you really think it's like of these these 20-year-old kids? I mean, Grayson's probably saying, this is fucking bullshit. And he's like, I got to no, never do this again. You I know, th- like, I, he I can't, looks, he's probably like, I can't looks, believe I did that. He looks defeated. He looks pretty emasculated. Yeah, but I mean... And, and it's like a... The stupidity of doing something against Elon. Yeah. I mean, this is like... <clears throat> You know, but I mean, every Duke game they 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 show the tripping incidents. They show him talking to Jeff Goodman, saying, "Oh, I'm rehabilitated. It won't happen again. It was two bad mistakes. It won't happen again." Like he's he's almost like uh, that Game of Thrones character, Xerxes uh, Lannister, doing the walk of shame, shame, shame. Like every arena he goes to, they're like, "We want Grayson. <laughs> Please don't trip us." And they're they're only going to get more and more cruel. Yeah, but they're already, they've already been chanting things at him. Yeah. And it all goes to Grayson's psyche. Is this guy a warrior or not? 
<laughs> is this going to crumble from, from this stuff? Is this really... He knows he's got to like kind of make amends in the public spotlight. He knows Coach K has to do some things. But really, when it comes down to it, he knows what this is about. It's about him getting back on the court and leading the team, winning basketball games, and not doing stupid shit. Right? Not letting his own emotions get in the but way. He, he got of into his those success. he got into those three scrums because he's a mental midget. Like he's, he's he's a very physical player, but when he's not having a good game, when the, his opponent's shutting him down, maybe talking some trash, he's a mental midget and he sort of like succumbs to his this little he can maybe get away with the trips like in a pickup game when no one's watching when there aren't cameras and like How do you think his GPA is? It's I imagine it's Probably like three, four, three, five, three, six. I mean, do you think he's just got book smarts and he's um, just doesn't have a certain kind of street smarts? Is that what you're saying? Well, I I listen to a bunch of like I've got a lot of free time on my hand. I listen to a lot of like sports talk radio. I lo- listen to a lot of like you know Colin Cowherd, PTI type of shows, and like to a man like everyone who had anything in depth to say about Grayson, they all say he's the ultimate competitor on the court. Away from the court, he's a really good guy. Really good guy, but when he's on the court, he just competes a little too hard. Just gets a little too emotional. And like when he's like having a bad game against Elon, he he was like one for ten or whatever, and he got beat. And he he's just like he has a he he's a mental midget, and so he lets uh, he lets it get to him, get get to him. I think I think he's got a little bit of emotional control problems. Maybe that's an understatement. You know, I th- I think he's gonna be fine. I think yeah. he's gonna come back. I mean, there's a chance he'll just lose it and you know, kick somebody again, right? <laughs> as long as it's not in the in the next like two months, you know, three months. It, it, I think the situation will be okay. He'll just, you know, the, what, the, what's the, interesting the, 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 is yeah. that he, like, it became a national joke. Yes. Right. Like and, I knew immediately when it happened, this was gonna become just a big national story. It was going to snowball and people were just going to run with it and Grayson was just going to become a joke. Right. So I listened to, you know, this stupid 76ers podcast called The Rights to Ricky Sanchez. And who's Ricky Sanchez? Uh, it's an inside joke about, you know, these like rights of NBA players that get traded and they really don't mean anything. So the Sixers at one point traded away the rights to Ricky Sanchez. Like took on a contract. Like or something for salary cap. Yeah, yeah. And yeah stuff like like that. Guys that aren't even in the league and are never going to be in the league. Uh, but one of their segments this past week was, if you could trip anyone, who would you trip? You know, like, like you know, they have nothing to do with Grayson Allen, but Grayson Allen's a, a well-known enough name at this point that, like, people are just using it for comedy. Like, you know, he's probably not, you know, he's probably not, you know, Jimmy Kimmel's probably not doing, like, a stand-up joke about it yet. Right. Maybe he did. Like, it wouldn't even be that surprising, you know. Yeah. But... Yeah, he's it's a bit of a laughing stock, but he's just got to he's got to overcome that by just being a great player. Yeah, and then that's the more important thing about him. The one of the most damning things I heard was um, um, Colin Coward and and Jason Whitlock. They do a little afternoon TV show. I can't remember what it's called. Speak for yourself or something like that. What a, what a couple of clowns! But Chris Carter, Chris Carter was on that NFL wide receiver Hall of Famer. And he just said something that made me drop whatever it was that I was doing. He said, the Duke coaches have it documented in their practices that Grayson 
does all these dirty little things in practice, you know? And I'm just like, what? How would Chris Carter know this? He's like, this is documented and it's known. You know, like I, I know people and this is what they've told me. And I just, I couldn't believe one, this didn't become bigger news. What did it become bigger news? That he's competitive in practice? Yeah, Maybe. yeah. Why would that be new? Why, how's that surprising at all? You think but Christian Lehner wasn't right, dirty he, and competitive But in he's practice? doing stuff like that in practice. Maybe not to the tripping stuff, but like he's just getting all tangled up with people. Um, and I, do you think they should discourage this or encourage it in general in practice? Not Grayson Allen, just anyone. Do they, do you, don't you think they want guys competing hard against each other? As long as you don't cross over the line of becoming a dirty player. Like, being competitive and being physical, that's all good. But once you get tagged with a dirty player tag, uh, I mean, now you're now you're a reflection of the program, of the coach, of the people who have come through before you. I, I guess I disagree. Yeah. In sports, being a dirty player is a leg up in general. And there's <laughs> levels of being a dirty player. Right, right. But Ronnie Lott was, on some level, a pretty dirty player. You know, I grew up watching Andre Waters and... But we're comparing football and basketball. Well, I mean, we can take a basketball. I've watched the Spurs play, and they, they pull every little trick, you know. They flop, they grab guys, they hold guys. Kevin Garnett, let's talk about Kevin Garnett for a second. He's a dirty player. He's certainly verbally a dirty player. Super. A twist, actually a twisted verbal player. Yeah, Michael Jordan was a total gamesman. In terms of like what he would do, he grabbed people's jerseys, tried to get people to do things to him. He, None of them tripped anybody three times. Yeah, well, we'll go back to Draymond Green again, I guess. <laughs> but, <laughs> but we wouldn't really look at it this way. Was, you know, this like uh, all of a sudden we're, we're we're super polite and we we don't play dirty at all. I mean, that's what sports is half about. Okay. Yep. We could, we could go through a million examples in all the sports of all the great players who push the line. Pushing the line, I agree. Um, the truth is, Grayson Allen just did a stupid thing a couple of times. It didn't benefit him. You know, I just think the difference here is that you have a hyper-competitive player who gets kind of famous yeah, and, and just has a strange tendency. Like, it's not that bad of a thing in my mind. Like, the thing he's doing is not that violent. It's not that awful. It's not good. It's I, definitely a bad thing. I agree. But, like... I, would, I agree with you. <laughs> you know, it's just this strange thing. And I, I feel like occasionally media and pop culture and Twitter, stuff just crests. And it's it just takes on a life of its own. It's one of these things. They got to deal with it. They got to confront it. That's why I think they're going to do it for a couple of weeks. He's going to come back, and the story's going to be redemption. When do you think he'll be redemption. back? Redemption? The story, it's going to be a, a redemptive arc. Coach K is setting it up. They're going to be better with him on the court. How will... And by the time he's back, Harry Giles will be playing better and more. Jason Tatum will be playing better, more ingrained into the team. And... Bolden will... I don't understand the whole Bolden thing, yeah. I don't, I don't get the Bolden thing. <laughs> Hopefully Frank Jackson will be healthier, or maybe he'll just... Maybe he won't be. Maybe they're over-playing him too much. I mean, I, it's still, like, the wide view of this is they lost a, a road conference game against a good team that 
they were only a four-point favorite to win, yeah. four and a half. Yeah. So, you know, on a day where North Carolina, Virginia, and who else? North Carolina, Virginia, another real good ACC team, all lost on the road in conference. It just doesn't even matter that much. But what is Coach K setting up in terms of the arc of the season and where are we going to be in a month or two from now? Will the Grayson Allen thing hurt us or will it be a rallying cry to sort of us against the world type of thing that Coach K rallies the team around? I'm hoping it's the latter. <laughs> I'm hoping yeah, that's it, you know. When do you think we'll see him? Uh, I, I think it would be really bad press if they brought him back within two, within three games. I think he's got to sit at least three games. You know, which is fine by me. I think we have two easy games coming. Like, you know, if I, we talk I, about... I what, think we have Georgia Tech at home, and I think we have BC at home. Yeah, Both we're not relatively losing... Relatively easy, easy games. Mm-hmm. But then it, we're on the road at Florida State, and we're on the road at, at Louisville. Yeah. Um, and I and and I would expect to see him play against either Florida State or Louisville. That's January tenth, January fourteenth. January fourteenth, it'll been what twenty four days since the Elon game, and he'll have missed five uh, four games. I think that would seem like a reasonable indefinite suspension, as opposed to. If he were to come back against BC after only missing two games, that would seem like a bullshit. I, I wouldn't have an suspension. issue. I wouldn't have an issue with two games. I mean, Chris Paul. Well, got, you wouldn't, but other Chris people. Chris Paul might. got one game for punching Julius Hodge in the nuts. One game. Chris Paul was a dirty player. Yeah. At, at Wake Forest. Yeah. And he's, you know, these guys are all competitive son of a bitches. Yeah, but. And it's that's okay. Part of the it's Lego, okay to man. be competitive. It's not okay to punch somebody in the nuts. It's just not okay to be stupid. Or to trip somebody. Yeah, it's just it's just stupid. That, like, what if you're a boxer and you bit somebody in the ear three times? Like, something. Dude, Mike Tyson there. biting off part of Evander Holyfield's ear. That. That's just not a boxing play. It's criminal. <laughs> he should have gone to prison for that too. How did he not? That's not, that's not within the bounds. That's that's not like part of the game. Tripping isn't either. And if you really hurt someone, you know, and it was blatant enough. It could be a problem, but, you know, getting tangled up and flailing your leg or your arm out, come on. I just, I'm, st- I'm still, uh, I'm still backing my man. What do you, do you feel like him being stripped of his captaincy will have any impact on anything? Or is it just, uh, I think there's a real, you think that's a sacrifice Coach K made for the public media frenzy? No, I think it's a real thing. I think Coach K, with his team, is earnest. I don't think he's only doing things for the show, but I do think I do think he's trying to enact change within his team, and eventually use this for the good of the team. So you're, I, you're trying to you think he's trying to use this as a teaching moment? He's like a drill sergeant. Coach K is like a drill sergeant. He's got a he's got a group of guys. He's got a whip in his shape. And if one guy's having an issue, they all have an issue, right? He loves taking setbacks and turning them into things to rally around. Things When it's us against the world, when nobody believes in us, when everybody's trying to say all this stuff about us, when people, that's, that's when teams rally around. 
And Coach K has done that. When Boozer went down with that injury, you know, in 2001. Year. Yeah. Casey Sanders had to come in and, you know, he, he used that opportunity to redefine roles on the team and do something special. And, um, you know, I, I felt the same way about a couple of the other runs we've made over the years. 2015. And when he good. sacrificed Rashid. Who was one of my favorite players. Yeah, I wonder if that's a coincidence. I wonder I wonder if, if he, it is. If he wanted to use that as a rallying mechanism. Right. I don't know. I mean, he may have just been an opportunistic way to shed a guy who was not buying into the team concept completely. But uh, I feel like Suleiman probably did the exact same thing Grayson Allen did on the bench, but he probably did it in the locker room and he had it directed at I thought you were going to make a really Shire. inappropriate comment about... Never mind. No. I mean, what Grayson did on the bench, just yelling and screaming, is probably what Rashid did after the Notre Dame game, his final game, at the coaches. He's like, this is bullshit. Why don't you guys play me more? Blah, blah, blah. Like, obviously on a more selfish level, but that was probably what happened. I mean, honestly, I think Rashid was cuttable. Because he wasn't His as play good. style? He just wasn't as good. He wasn't um, indispensable. I think Coach K thinks the world of Grayson Allen. I think he's one of his guys. I don't think Coach K leaves his guys behind. <laughs> I just don't. Except Rashid Suleiman, who in that uh, epic early season game against Syracuse in the Carrier Dome, when he led us into overtime, I mean, he looked phenomenal. He looked like a warrior. And they won the national championship without him. Yeah. And Coach K knows his, knows his team. That's an interesting point you make, though, about Suleiman. And the opposite end of this is when Coach K has tons of talent, a lot of times he, he fails to – like if there isn't some sort of compelling arc story to the season, a lot of times he doesn't sort of – pull these coaching stunts, these strategies. He doesn't game plan properly, sort of lets them play, right? And then we wind up kind of not fulfilling potential. And we've seen that a bunch of times. And uh, I, I, I think Coach K loves hunkering down and kind of the challenge of, of these things in the middle of the season. I think this is kind of what he, what turns him on the most. Yeah, I mean, the bottom line for me is this team has to learn how to play defense. I mean, if it doesn't, it's not going to win. I mean, win, like, in terms of going to the Final Four. Yeah, they're going to have to play better team defense. I agree. And they're going to have to uh, they're gonna have to get some of these freshmen more integrated into the team. Be more cohesive units, both first and second, however, however they divvy it up. And I don't know if there's a chance to – if Giles can kind of become Giles – before the season ends, that'd be great. And we got a lot of time. There's a lot yeah. of games left. Um, I guess uh, I guess that that's a good place to, to call it, right? Yeah, I mean there was only one game, so there was only one game. It was uh, I you know I never I, I almost like I don't like getting crushed you know in that kind of manner, but I don't want it to be too easy. I want I want them to have like now they can coach defense. Because they can yell at them about something. They're not all sort of 
walking around feeling superior and they're so great and efficient on offense. You know, now there's something to really scream at these guys about and coach gives a point to coach from. It's these early Saturday morning games. I mean, for us, since we're in Vegas, it's uh, we're on uh, <clears throat> Pacific Coast time. Yeah. And like, like, it just puts a downer on the whole day. Like, I remember games against NC State or Clemson or wherever. Like, we just get into a game where it just doesn't look good. It doesn't look like we're going to win, and we don't win, you know? But... Yeah. It's you just rolled over and went back to sleep, right? Because you, you pretty much, I mean, poker. pretty much, but I still feel pretty good about this team. What time did you go to bed that that night? I, I got about two hours of sleep before the game came on. Seven a.m. You went to sleep? Yeah, yeah. Is that late? That's pretty late, Is man. That pretty late. It's pretty late. I was awake before you went to sleep. You should have texted me earlier so that I could have just watched it with you. Yeah, and then we could share our critiques. Yeah. So that we could be a more cohesive podcast team. Yeah, we are not a cohesive podcast team. <laughs> but we should try spending more time together. Like in the old days. All right. Well, uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, this week we got, what, Georgia Tech and Georgia Boston Tech, College, two Georgia home Tech games. Wednesday, BC over the weekend. Should be pretty healthy faves in both games. Maybe, maybe they'll play some of the bench guys more. Maybe it'll be fun to watch. It should be. It should be fun. Two should be two games that are fun to watch. We'll do this again next Sunday or Monday. Sure. And uh, see you guys then. All right. All right. Go Duke. Go Duke.